0: So um, amen. We're just we're excited about that. We're going to partner with God. So Matthew chapter number nine, verse number twenty seven, um, verse number twenty seven says, And Jesus went on from there and two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind man came to him and he asked them, do you believe I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. I want to stop right there and I want to talk from this subject in our time together. Put some respect on my name. (laughs) Put some respect on my name. Clap your hands if you're ready for God's word today. Put some respect on I want to begin our time together by informing you of a simple yet significant truth, and that is names are important. When I say that, I'm not saying that randomly. I'm saying that specifically. I'm saying that, first of all, to imply and to assert that names are important culturally. This is how important names are. When you meet someone you've never met before, you do not introduce yourself to them by giving them your height. You don't say, hello, I'm six feet. (laughs) You don't introduce yourself to them by giving them your weight, your socioeconomic status, your gender or your race. You introduce yourself to them by giving them your name. And the name you choose to give them, because many of us have a few, (laughs) including nicknames, right? So the name you choose to give them is a reflection of, watch this, how well you know them and how well they know you because the name they received is very often an indication of the level of relationship you have. There are some people that can call you by names, other people can't, because they don't know you like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, if I walk in a room and somebody say, hey babe, I'm looking for one woman. Does that make sense? There's no confusion right there. Like like my mama don't even call me that. So it's no confusion. Because the name she used is an indication of the level of relationship we have. But we didn't start off calling each other by affectionate names. But as the relationship progressed, the names evolved. As an indication and a marker of how well we knew each other. I see this is not just the case culturally, I see this is the case biblically. God seems to be in the names all throughout scripture we see examples of this first of all we see this when when a man named Moses is assigned to serve as a leader who leads Israel out of an exodus of over 400 years of Egyptian captivity God tells this man named Moses I want you to go and I want you to lead this movement to liberate them from this oppression that inhibits them from living life as I intended and Moses is like okay I got to go to them but they are in a polytheistic culture, poly meaning many, so there are many gods, sun God, moon God, fertility God, so I just can't go and say God they're gonna say which one so I need a name and God said, watch this I am Moses start writing it down, I am, he's waiting on God to finish and God said, I'm not pausing because I'm resting I'm pausing because I'm finished. I am what? I am that I am. Meaning I will be who I will be. Now that word is actually this word in English. Jehovah. Which is what we call a covenant name. It's meaning he's saying I will be who I will be. I make a covenant that I will be who I will be. I am. Never was, was, already am what I will be. I am. Covenant name. So he's saying, whatever I put behind Jehovah is what I covenant to be. So Moses, the only thing I'm going to give you right now is Jehovah. Because you're going to need me to be so much. I'm going to have to give you a different name every time you get ready to see me in a different way so when you need me to raise your banner in victory i'm gonna fill in the blank and say put nisi there i'm jehovah nisi the one who raises your banner in victory when you feel alone and isolated and misunderstood and marginalized i want you to fill in the blank shama jehovah shama i'm the lord who is with you when you feel when you feel lost and when you feel without guidance and without direction and you're trying to make decisions and you've got three three options and all of them are good options and none of them are bad options but you don't want to make the wrong choice and the wrong decision you need the lord who's going to be your shepherd jehovah roe When you've got habits and hang-ups that that, that are inhibiting you from experiencing God's best, and you are frustrated with yourself, disappointed with yourself. Let me see if y'all feeling this one. Tired of yourself. I felt the love right here, so I'm going to go to this side. I I, want to know, is there anybody honest enough to say, I not only get tired of other people sometimes. If I'm honest, I get tired of me. (laughs) I get tired of making promises to me and breaking promises. I get tired of saying it's the last time and it's not the last time. I get tired of saying I'm not going to let them treat me like this anymore. And I keep letting them treat me like this. I get tired of me. He says, so when you get tired of changing yourself. And when you realize that you cannot use willpower and promises and empty affirmations (laughs) to change the reality of your life. When you realize that there are some issues that are so deeply enrooted that you need some existential and outside assistance. When you realize you can't fix yourself by yourself. I'm going to show you I'm Jehovah McAdish. I'm the Lord who sanctifies. you when you can't fix it I'll fix it when you can't change it I'll change it when you can't stop I'll help you stop I'll take the taste buds out of your mouth I'll make you dislike somebody you were in love with I will set you free he gave him Different names, not to confuse them, but because his nature is so comprehensive. He say in the Old Testament, I got to give you many names that reveal and indicate different aspects of my ability and my character. Now, when I get you to the New Testament, I'm going to give you one. In the New Testament, you don't have to say Jireh. You don't have to say Shalom. You don't have to say Shama. You don't have to say Makadish. You don't have to say Adonai. You don't have to say Roi. When you get to the New Testament, you just got to say one name. Jesus. When you say Jesus, you say Healer. When you say Jesus, you say Deliverer. When you say Jesus, you're saying a name that's above every other name. And I noticed something. though. I noticed something. I can't speak globally and I can't speak exclusively, but I can speak primarily to what I've noticed as a spiritual trend among believers. Listen to me among believers in the West and in America specifically. We don't equally respect his names. There, there are certain names we have more affinity toward, more open to, more receptive of than others. If I say provider, we believe that. Right? Mean, meaning that, he, that, that everything else is our resource and he's a source. And he has to let our resource fail us from time to time. To fix our faith because some of our faith is in a resource, not the source. So he say I'ma dry up the resource to show you that you are never dependent on the resource. You are always dependent on the source. So if a brook dry up, I'll send you to Zarephath. Y'all not talking to me because <laughs> it's not the source, it's not the resource, it's the source. So we say provider. It's like we we vibe with that. But this really hit me when I was in Lagos, Nigeria not too long ago. I was like. We don't respect that name like that. And when I say respect, I'm not saying disrespect. I'm not saying we disrespect. I'm saying I don't know. If we have equal belief in this aspect of his character. It's like we believe he's a provider. We believe that. But if I say he's a healer, I think we want to believe that. I, I want to believe that. but it's aspirational and not realistic for many of us. Wow. It's like this, this kind of not real. Cause it's like, it's hard to believe in what you think. Somebody say, think, think. cause we're about to fix that. <laughs> think you rarely see. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Which is something else. And, And there's a theologian, Jack Deere, who talks a little bit about this, and he's like, listen, much of the lack of belief in the healing ministry of Jesus is not because of an absence of evidence in the scripture. It's in the Bible. You see all types of healing taking place in the Bible. You see spiritual healing taking place. so when you see things like exorcisms and things of that nature you see people being healed from, see everything spiritual isn't godly did y'all hear what I just said? I said everything spiritual isn't godly. And there are times where we need to be healed from perverted or abusive or exploitive, exploitive or even diabolical or demonic expressions of spirituality. We see God healing people. Spiritually, we see him healing people emotionally. We see him healing people relationally. We see it all throughout Scripture. The challenge in believing it is we don't really we don't think we see it. In life. Which shows us that very often what we walk in by is sight. not not faith. Because Jehovah and Jesus both seem to utilize healing as a way of caring for God's creation. I think the problem is we have relegated God's healing ministry to one expression. And if it doesn't express itself the way we think it should express itself, we assume healing did not take place. Did you hear what I just said? But I want to share with you that we cannot confuse The master or conflate the master and his methods all throughout scripture. I can show you a number of different methods he used to heal people. Our text here in Matthew chapter number nine uh, provides us with an amazing example of a method that is extremely important, yet not uh, yet often overlooked. I want you to look at verse number 27 family. Put that back up on the screens for them because they're not going to believe me uh, if they don't see this. Put that back on the screens for them. This is interesting. So Jesus went on from there. Two blind men followed him. Stop. Y'all confused yet? (laughs) Hold on, let's keep reading. Two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on that son of David. Uh, Verse 28 says this. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him. Stop. (laughs) That's a lot of moving around if you, bl- like, if you blind how are you following him I mean I can see if <laughs> I can see if maybe you just follow him outside it say Jesus went indoors and everything they right there don't miss this don't miss this don't miss this here it is Here it is. Here it is. Because what they reveal to you and I is that you don't have to have what you think you have to have to get what you're trying to get. Because we focus on the one thing on their body that wasn't working. What they focused on What's the other things that were working? They say my eyes don't work, but my ears do. My mouth work. Where yet? at? Turn left. Okay. My legs work. And some of us are staying stuck and stagnant because we are meditating on, focusing on what you don't have. Instead of making a decision that if God didn't give it to me, I don't need it. God's going to do it without it. I don't have my eyes, so I'm going to use my legs. Let me show you this. Give me verse 27. Give me verse 27 again. It it says, it says, two blind men follow Jesus. Verse 27. It says, it says that they said, have mercy on us son of David let me explain something Jesus is not David's son so when they say son of David they are saying even though we can't see you we see you other people have eyes but they can't see you we see you I know that the, they knew that the Messiah was going to come from the lineage of David so when they said son of David they said I know who you are and you are no ordinary rabbi because an ordinary rabbi can only teach me but the son of God can touch me and right now we don't need a sermon we need a miracle I need somebody in here that needs to expand your understanding of God sometimes you need teaching but there are other times you need him to touch you when your heart is broken you need a touch when your strength is gone you need a touch when sickness is in your body you need a touch You see, they, they couldn't see, but they could see him. They said, I, 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 I see you. Come on, we see examples of this in Mark 6. There were people who could see him, but couldn't see him. In Mark 6, Jesus go back to his hometown. That's a completely different. That's a, I, I, I need to do a whole sermon on that. Just the danger of Familiarity. Said, he said, he'd go back to his hometown, he'd go in one of the churches, go in one of the synagogues, and he's teaching. And the people they are like, ain't that, uh, that Joseph's son? Carpenter's son? Yeah. A nice little lesson. They didn't disrespect him. Because they weren't wrong in what they said. He was the carpenter's son. They weren't incorrect. They were incomplete. So the Bible says he did not do many miracles there. Only laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. So watch this. Because they saw a carpenter's son, they could only get their house fixed. So that's all you you got the savior of the world. And all you're getting is your screen door fix. I mean, you got someone who wants to do exceedingly and abundantly above all you ask or think. And all you're going to get is a one-way ticket to heaven. The God you see is the God you get. Your spiritual limitation is tied to your level of revelation. And this is why the devil does not want your awareness and knowledge of God to evolve. Because some of our issue isn't that we're incorrect about God. We are incomplete. If all you know is provider, that's all you get. They saw him right. They say, you can do more than teach me. You can touch me. See, their problem, a lot of our problems, is not a closed heaven. Heaven is open. It's a closed mind. Watch what Jesus asked them. Jesus asked, he says, all right, uh, do you believe... I am able to do this. Put my scripture back, please. Do you believe I am able to do this? Somebody say this. Somebody say this. Somebody say this. 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 He didn't ask, do you believe I'm able to save you? He didn't ask, do you believe I'm able to deliver you? He asked, do you believe I'm able to do this? Because all belief Isn't equal. What if I told you. Told you God. I can prove the scripture and I will. God is not trying to make your faith bigger. I'm going to say it again. God is not. Trying to make your faith bigger. Jesus told the disciples. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed he said you can say to mountains be moved and cast into the sea he's not trying to make your faith bigger he's trying to make it broader he says the problem is not the size of your faith it's the breadth of your faith it's you got a whole lot of faith It's just truncated in a whole in a very few areas. He said, I need you to know I'm able to do this. You believe I can do that. But do you believe I can do this? And I think this is where many of us in our hyper rational society are struggling. I can believe him for the rational. Because getting a job is rational. Getting the promotion is rational. Closing the client is rational. I can believe for that. He said, but do you believe I'm able to do this? And in my head, I'm like, why are you asking that question? They have fumbled themselves around to find you. And Jesus said, I need to make sure that you're not just desperate. Because the desperate don't discern. They would have followed anything they think can help them. See, I I ain't got time there. Yeah, they'll try anything. They're going to try anything that works. You say stand on their head, they're going to stand on their head. You say set the roof on fire, they're going to set the roof on fire. You say meditate, they're going to meditate. He said, so just because you're following me don't mean you believe. It may mean you're desperate, and you're going to go with whatever work. Do you believe I'm able to do this? And they said, "Yes, give my scripture, please. <laughs> Verse 31, I want, I want them to see this. Verse 28. All right. Yes, Lord. (laughs) Let me tell you why some of you are not expressing more enthusiasm. (laughs) Because maybe you don't know what Lord means. So let me explain it to you. Whenever you see Lord in the Bible, the Lord is my shepherd. Whenever you see Lord, that is hmm, that is the word that is used to describe the word Jehovah I mentioned in the Old Testament. Y'all missed this when they said yes, Lord. It's what Alan Hirsch calls a Christocentric monotheism it it is when an individual says I see in Jesus all of the names that are in God in the that God has taken everything about him in the old testament put it in one person and so when you confess that Jesus is Lord, Paul is saying you are expressing the same kind of allegiance to Jesus that Israel did to Yahweh because Yahweh has put himself in Jesus so they didn't say yes they say yes Lord because if you can make water come from a rock in the Old Testament you can heal my blindness in the New Testament you are Jehovah So watch what Jesus says. Watch what Jesus says. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith. He didn't say, according to my power. He said, I got the power. But this didn't just happen because I got power. Your faith has to plug into your faith has to plug into my power. He says, according to your faith, let it be done to you. This is scary. This is so scary to me. I promise you, this is scary to me. And it's scary to me for this reason. What would the rest of their life been like wow. Wow. if they didn't ask? Oh. They would have been living The rest of their life, blind, not knowing they didn't have to be. That's what's scary. They would have been blind and not even known they didn't have to be living like that. That they didn't have to be struggling like that. That they didn't have to settle for that level of existence. And the Bible says and their sight was restored. Now this restoration can mean it was restored back, meaning they had it and lost it, or restoration can refer to God restoring them back to his original intent for them. See, the reason that many of us fret, when we lose stuff it's because you don't have faith he can give it back somebody open your mouth and say another one Yeah, Joseph's brothers took his coat but God gave him another one people may close one door but God will give you another one some people may walk out of your life and think that you're going to die but God will give you another one Now, I'm done. Y'all all all right? Can I turn the corner here? Okay. Hope, these are the kind of miracles. These are the kind of healing stories we're accustomed to seeing in Scripture. So, these are the kind of healing miracles we believe for. And when the healing miracles don't happen the way they happen in Matthew chapter 9, then we assume there hasn't been a healing miracle. So God isn't a healer or he isn't doing healing like that anymore. But what I want to show you is that this is just one of the ways in Scripture. We have made this the only way. This is just one of the ways in Scripture. I want to show you another one and then I'm going to take my seat in 2 Kings chapter 20. Verse number one, the Bible tells us about this king named Hezekiah. It says, in those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. God said this, put your house in order. Meaning you're getting ready to pass away, but if you're a responsible man, you're not going to leave a mess behind you. I'll talk about that later. He says if if, if you're a king, you're going to put stuff in order. So that even when you pass away, your loved ones, all they have to do is grieve. They don't have to worry about how they're going to bury you. Put your house in order. You're going to die. You will not recover. Y'all see that? But verse 2 says. When I read this, I'm about to see who got the Hezekiah spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm about to see who got some spiritual gangster in them right here. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall. And prayed to the Lord. I know what Isaiah just said (laughs) but Isaiah didn't save me Isaiah didn't create me Isaiah didn't he didn't deliver me he didn't appoint me he turned his face to the wall this is what he's doing he's not denying reality what he is saying is Although I respect Isaiah as a prophet something in me is telling me his word not final. So because it's not final I can't receive it. Y'all miss what I just said. Yeah. I hear what you're saying Isaiah. I respect your expertise and if my spirit was in agreement with it I would do just what you said. But something on the inside of me Is telling me God not through with me yet so he turns his face to the wall meaning he turns his back on everybody else in the room he say I ain't being stuck up but I'm focused in this season and I don't have time to be discouraged or dismayed by your cynicism that you call in realism He turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Listen to this. What did he say, family? He said, remember how I have walked before you faithfully with wholehearted devotion. I have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. All right. I need y'all to make an agreement with pastor. You're not going to shout when I read this next verse. (laughs) Don't, don't, don't shout. You can't shout. You can't shout when I read this next verse. Because verse one said Hezekiah is is in his in his chambers and isaiah comes delivers the word and he walking out that's verse one he going back to his house i want to show you how quick if you don't want if you don't want god to do nothing quick be quiet i want to show you how quick this happened verse 4 says before Isaiah had left the middle court the word of the Lord came to Isaiah and said I know what I just said but go back and tell it I'm getting ready to heal him, and I'm going to add 15 years to his life Somebody that believes God is getting ready to give you a quick turnaround, give him a praise right here. Quickly, 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 quickly. He couldn't even get to the parking lot. And God said, go back and tell him. I'm adding 15 years to his life. Quickly, 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 quickly. All right. Be seated, be seated. Tario, I'm done. Kill me softly, Tario. Here it is. Because it's the one thing I want to show them, Ray. Because, Ray, this is where we stop preaching this. But this is a doublet. It's found twice in Scripture. And so one writer doesn't give us this detail. But the writer Kings gives us detail that I think is important. I want them to put verse 7 on the screen. Now, God says, I'm going to heal you. So text says, then Isaiah said, "Prepare, prepare a pot of figs. And they did so. And they applied the figs to the boil and he recovered. I'm gonna say it again. The same prophet that came back saying, "God's gonna heal you." Here's a child. Kind of he say, "Wait, let me show you how. Yeah. Take this natural remedy and apply it to your boil. Cause this time God's gonna use what's natural." To bring about the supernatural. Because sometimes God used figs. He used natural remedy. He used a natural remedy to preserve my mother's life. It's not the remedy, though, because there are other people who got that same kind of treatment and didn't stay around as long as she did. So where 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 some people see randomness, I see a miracle. Did you hear what I just said? And we are we are dismissing and disregarding miracles regularly because we think the only kind of miracles he does is without figs. He said I healed Naaman from leprosy, didn't I? How did I heal him though? I told him to go to the Jordan River and dip. In this instance, in Matthew 9, Jesus healed the blind man by laying hands on them. I can show you somewhere else where he spit in dirt, took the dirt, made it mud, put it on somebody's eyes. And then told them, now you go wash in the pool called Siloam. Because sometimes God worked miracles. And other times God used figs. And some of us have more faith in a method than in the master. I want the outcome. I don't care about the method. When I'm at your mercy, I can't be choosy. And God's saying there are th- there are miracles I've even worked in your life and you unaware of because you also think that all my miracles are restorative or curative and you don't see what's preventative. It's not that he's not working them. We don't recognize them. He says, "You don't know what I kept you from. Yeah. See, so you don't know how. All you knew you was was you were stressed. That's what you knew. You didn't know your blood pressure was sky high. You didn't check it. You didn't know how close you were." I've been keeping you. And I'm telling you right now, the most frequent miracles he works are miracles in your mind. Because that has a huge impact on your quality of life. He said, this body, even when I heal you, you're going to pass away again until I heal you permanently. So every physical healing is a temporary one. I know some of y'all, you do not You think this is theologically wrong, but it's not. Um, it, but from time to time, I think you can have questions with God without questioning God. Like, I'm not questioning your godness. I know you know better. But it doesn't mean I don't have questions. You understand? And, uh, Lana, I still, I still can't to this day. I do not understand. Why, where I feel like I'm in a season of my life and ministry where I need Ramon the most. I need him the most right now. Everything that we got going on. So I don't question his godness. But I have questions about timing. Until God said, It ain't about you. This was about him. I gave him the best healing. He healed forever, he's not worried about it returning. You do miracles many ways. And he's gonna do them many ways in your life. Whether physically or emotionally. Some y'all don't even understand. Some of you, you have, you, you do not understand how he is literally keeping your mind. You think you that strong. You really do. You think you're that strong. God's like, I'm keeping you. Yes. Yes. You ain't that tough. He said, I ain't make you out of nothing different. <laughs> he said, I made you out of everything else everybody else made you out of. I say thank you for keeping me, thank you Thank you for keeping me, thank you for keeping me Thank you for keeping me Thank you, you're my keeper, you're my keeper You're the keeper of my mind, you're my keeper You're the keeper of my marriage, you're my keeper You're the keeper of my, ho ho, 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 ho You're my keeper You're my keeper. You hold it all together. You hold it all together. You're holding me together. The reason I hadn't fallen apart is because you're holding me together. You're the keeper of my life. Thank you for being my keeper. Keeping me right now. And he will keep you. He won't leave you. You can say, listen. God says to us, I am everything I say I am. I still heal. Your mind, your relationships, I'll heal them man i ain't got time i feel this in my spirit listen to me listen to me oh i just felt that thing i said he heals relationships and when i said that i felt a witness because some of you are speaking word curses not a hex when i say a curse not a hex When I say curse, I mean doom for destruction, meaning the path you're taking cannot end up in a good place if you're using bad words. And it's not because you're going to manifest something in the atmosphere. You're manifesting something in your mind. So your words affect your mind, your heart. And some of you are saying, we're never going to be the same. I heard God say, stop saying that. He said, you let me heal it. I will not only, watch this, I hear this, I will not only bring restoration, somebody receive this, I'm going to bring restitution, I'm going to make the devil, he got to pay you back, y'all didn't receive it, so Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, For everyone in this house that needs you to be healer, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and relationally, come, Lord Jesus, and heal your people. I want to pray this benediction over you. It's final blessing. So may God bless you and keep you. May he cause his face of favor to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he protect you. May he provide for you. And above all else, may he grant you peace. My prayer in Jesus' name.